the point is that planting these long-term seeds, then five, six, seven, ten years from now, will fulfill the short term for you passively or mostly passively. Welcome to the Big Picture Blueprint. I'm your host, Dan Abercross, along with Mason McDonald. And we're going to discuss all things land, real estate, and business in general with all kinds of exceptional people. Let's get started. What's up, everybody? My name is Mason McDonald, and I am here with my co-host, Dan Habercost, for the Big Picture Blueprint. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about what we're doing now and what we should be doing for the short-term, long-term, and mid-term within our businesses. But before we get into that, Dan, how are you doing today? Mason, I'm great. I'm uh, out in Del Mar. It's a beautiful day. Excited to come back to Colorado and go snowboard with you. Yeah, well, we got about a foot of snow last night, so it's uh, it's ready. It, it's time. It's uh, skiing and snowboarding season, so it's going to be a fun winter, even though it's uh, depressing that it's still dark at 4 p.m. But Dan, the idea of this episode actually came about a few months ago. We're recording this in December of 2023, so by the time it comes out, it's probably going to be the beginning of 2024. But you had a realization over the summer this year that has kind of led to this episode. Why don't you tell us that story that you have? Yeah. So I woke up one morning this summer and and every morning I like to read, but I saw the date and it was July 31st, 2023. And I, I realized, oh, it was July 31st, 2018. Then I drove to Colorado and uh, moved here ultimately. And I started to think about where I was at at that time, just starting my real estate business, just you know, figuring out the very basics of the industry. And it made me chuckle because it was exciting to think about how far I had come and how I'd accomplished much of what I wanted to. But as I thought about that, I realized that there were a number of decisions I made, a number of investments, things I did that didn't benefit me at all for the first couple of years, but are benefiting me tremendously now. Seeds I planted, so to speak, that compounded over time and I saw little to no benefit from initially, uh, but I really am now. And so I thought to myself, well, given that, what decisions should I be making right now as a 27-year-old uh, that 32 or 35-year-old Dan will be really, really happy that I made, but that don't necessarily benefit me at all in the short term? And so that illustrates what we want to talk about here today is along with all these short-term deals that we all do, flipping land or whatever it is you're, you're doing within real estate, selling houses, flipping houses, you need to be planting some medium and long-term seeds that you might not benefit from initially, but will pay dividends down the road and do so continually. So let me make this a little bit more concrete, Mason, and I'll stop ranting here. Uh, two examples, two very different examples. When I first moved to Colorado, I bought a house and Colorado Springs is a house hack. It wasn't great. I had an office. I had my bedroom, and I rented out two extra bedrooms for $1,400 a month at the time. I think the mortgage was $1,700. So great. I mean, it was mostly covered, but you know, it wasn't a huge impact on my life by any means. But today, that house has $200,000 equity in it, and it makes me about $800 a month, and I do absolutely nothing. One more example that's very different, so I want to use it. I started attending a real estate group when I moved to Colorado, and uh, I ho started hosting it a couple years after, after it had been going for a while. Didn't get a whole lot out of it initially, but now almost you know five and a half years later, I'm still hosting it. 
that's really helped me just across the board in raising money and people pay me for consulting from there. All, all kinds of just random things have come from that group. And again, that took years to pay off, but now it's paying off in dividends. And so I'll pause there and let Mason respond, but I really wanted to get a, a whole episode on this, but I'll stop. Go ahead, Mason. Yeah, I, I think uh, this is going to be fun. And I think for people listening, we're going to attempt to make it both tangible and practical as we can, but it will be a little bit more philosophical of an episode because I think one of the nice differences between Dan and myself, uh, for those of you guys listening, is Dan's a little bit younger than me, a year and a half, two years younger than me. Um, I'm 29 now. I've been married almost five years. Uh, and so, and, and I started out in the corporate world um, where Dan while he started out in the corporate world, he jumped into the entrepreneurship, real estate investing a lot sooner than me. So interesting where uh, we'll be able to talk about these decisions and kind of balance both the personal financial needs as well as the business goals and long-term wealth building and equity building with everything that we've done and what we're currently doing and honestly what we should be doing. Because I look back at various financial decisions or more so decisions that I made that we're saying no to certain opportunities and certain projects that probably I wish I would have done, uh, but also recognize that I wouldn't be where I'm at if I had made decisions like that, where I only have one building right now that is a horror, rehab, nightmare, terrible scenario. Um, I, I'm exaggerating, but it's just over time, over budget. And we'll get into that whenever we're talking more about the medium and long term, because my business partner and I are talking about, we're going to sell this when we're both retired in our fifties and sixties. But I do think looking back at some of the early decisions that I made, I think, um, a lot of the things I said no to are really important because I wasn't buying rental properties when I was 22 or 23 years old. I was, and I, I was six figures in student debt, starting out a career where I was not making a lot of money. I was newly married in a home that we couldn't afford. And I think that if I was attempting to go buy a $200,000 rental that was going to make me maybe $150 a month at that point in time that I would be ecstatic to own right now, I wouldn't have been able to quit my job or jump into this career. So uh, I, I think we can kind of start out, Dan, with the short term. Um, and we can kind of break it down between active income generating activities as well as just our, our short-term financial needs and and go from there. Yeah, I I want to start with short-term. We want to start with short-term because we're practical. Look, you're listening to this. You're probably needing to pay bills next month or maybe you have a few months saved up, but you got to make money in the short-term. Um, and so it's a matter of balancing that with the medium and long, as we've said. So both Mason and I, in our businesses, we're going to go through what we're doing in each of these and then what you all should be doing, have land flipping businesses. So we're doing this all day long. Uh, and no matter what sort of business you're setting up, you do want something that's short term, that's a 60, 90, 120 day, even faster cash conversion cycle where you're putting out mailers or marketing of some kind and then getting cash back within that time frame. Because there's always going to be things popping up where you need cash uh, as well. So, so Macy, you want to expand on that? Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's tricky sometimes because you're, you're saying 30, 60, 90, 120, 180 days of short-term short term activities. And when you hear those numbers, I think you have to recognize, and we drill the point home on the importance of focusing on lead measures in the business. Mm -hmm. And while 
it takes 30, 60, 90, 180, 360 days sometimes to see the results. If you're continuously doing that, you're going to be seeing those results every month for the most part. But uh, within the idea of short-term active uh, income-generating ideas and income-generating businesses, you have to look at it from two two ways of you have the capital-intensive activities and then the time-intensive activities where land flipping, uh, if you are, or house flipping, which are relatively quick activities, it takes a good amount of money to do it. Whether it's money on your marketing spend or money on the actual acquisition cost of the land, you have to either have saved up a good amount of money or have decent capital partners, which usually takes time and deals to be able to attract these people. And then on the flip side of it, it's the active income generating activities that don't necessarily take capital. It's stuff that it's time for money, whether it's you're a contractor that's going in working on a house flip, or you have had success in some world and it's the coaching and it's the consulting or the W-2 job or something that is making money because you have to recognize that if you don't have a decent savings account, you can't just jump in and expect to make money in 90 days because sometimes it might take much, much longer than that, if that makes sense. So I think whenever you can try and find those ideas that uh, can be implemented without a ton of capital. It's uh, really great for the short term. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because yeah, I don't want to get off topic here, but oftentimes people jump into something like land flipping or house flipping or any wholesaling, single family houses, whatever it might be, and they don't work at it quite long enough to start benefiting from it. So they end up just wasting, you know, five, 10 grand on marketing and a course or whatever, uh, and they never actually see the results from it. So uh, that's an important note there, Mason. But yeah, I think you summarized that quite well. You got to have income coming in right off the bat. Uh, and so setting clear lead measures around one of these active uh, income generators is is important and should be the base of your day, daily, weekly, and monthly tasks. But then, you know, m- moving on here momentarily, you want to layer on tasks that are lead measures that focus on the medium and the long term. Uh, Mason, okay, beyond land flipping, in your personal business, is there anything else you're doing that's short-term that fits into this category? I think uh, for the most part, land flipping is my active income generating. Uh, Beyond that, it's the consulting business, it's coaching, uh, it's teaching other people how to do it. Um, I actually do healthcare consulting too uh, for larger research organizations that it's a quick 500 to 1,000 per hour for that type of work. So uh, the, the coaching and consulting is great, though, because the only thing that it takes for me is time where I, I can teach people uh, how to how to how to make money in this space, uh, which people will pay a decent amount of money for. So that's great. But I also have the benefit of being married and my wife gets a paycheck every every two weeks. So uh, we're able to live off her income. And I, I think that's something important to note where with this active income generating as we kind of lead into the medium and long term and how the active uh, short term goals will support that, the more you can save up now to focus on your personal expenses, look at what your spend rate is. If between your house, uh, your car, your utilities, uh, going out to eat, all of your expenses, if you're, if you're spending five to 10,000 a month, how quickly can you make the next six months so you can start being able to think about it? Because psychologically, it doesn't make sense to go buy that rental property if you're really struggling and living paycheck to paycheck. Yes. And I think it 
can look really great hindsight wise. But when you were buying these rental properties, Dan, you weren't donating plasma and eating ramen. You were no. set financially and you were in a place that you can do it. So I think whenever you're hearing all this content all the time of you need to buy rental properties now, you yes. need to buy rental properties now. That's so true. And that's so important. But if you're broke, you're never going to be able to do it in a way that makes any sense because if a roof collapses because of a hailstorm yeah. and you weren't insured properly or your furnace goes out or something like that, you're going to be screwed and it's just absolutely not worth it. But Dan, beyond land flipping, what what else are you doing? And you know, follow follow up to my points there too. Yeah, yeah, land land flipping plus the coaching and consulting, and then um, you know the new construction stuff is kind of intermediate, where generally eight to twelve months. So whether that's short term or, or medium term, that's kind of somewhere in the middle. But it, most of the same stuff as you. But Mason, I I really want to. You made a great point there, so I want to summarize. If you're broke and you're barely getting by then for the short term, you probably should focus just on number one, category number one, making money right now and setting aside six months of living expenses. Because like you said, you guys have heard me tell this story before where my first rental property, I needed uh, $10,600 for a new roof for the the rental property and the garage within the first year of owning it. Uh, So that's significant. But gosh, as we move into number two here, Assuming you've gotten past that, you know, survival, survival mode, right? You've got a little bit of savings. You're taking care of your personal needs, your family's needs. So many people never get past stage number one, even though they could. And they they are stuck forever because they're just endlessly on the hamster wheel of doing deals that benefit them 60 to 90 days. So that's where we get into category number two, planting the seeds for the medium term. So Mason, do you want to get started on that? Yeah, I think uh, beyond the actual business activities, I think this is where a lot of the education uh, during the short term comes into play, where Din and I both do land flipping, and I'm encompassing a decent amount in that. I'm talking about uh, subdivides and value-add projects there uh, that we're doing at a very small level, the minor subdivisions. Uh, I know, Dan, you just did an assemblage, which is kind of the opposite of a subdivide, taking larger lots and combining them into one. And I think the more you can learn dur- during the short term where I still view those subdivide projects that are for the purpose of a land flip uh, as a short-term goal, but the more I learn about it, the more I can see, okay, this is how developers are making a ton of money. So I, I think kind of focusing a little bit on the education component for those medium-term projects uh, is really, really important and what you should be doing now for the medium term. But in addition to that, this to me is where for people like yourself and myself. Um, and I think you'll be able to speak to it more uh, because of a lot of the, I guess a lot of the properties that you're scooping up is you need to start looking for more passive ways to replace your active income. And if you're looking three years in the future of, okay, say your spend rate, you anticipate getting to $10,000 a month. If you have a clear criteria of rental properties that you could be looking at, that are in 10 years, if you're able to buy two or three uh, rental properties or in five years, which is more medium term, I think those types of activities are the things that you should be focusing on. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. I guess rentals do kind of fall in the, the short, both short and long term. It just compounds even further as you go longer term. But aside from that, Mason, I guess I, I was grouping in the new construction for me being the medium term. And, and guys, the whole concept is the longer term 
Of course, you have to wait longer for it to pay off, but it's a more substantial payout. Um, and so new construction fits that box for me. And I, the subdivides uh, you, you're doing right now are pretty quick, but you know, you guys probably have heard our interview with AJ, uh, who was talking about some more substantial subdivides that'll take a couple years. Projects like that are a great example of what we're referring to here, where you get the ball in motion and there's continual work that you don't benefit from at all for months or even a year or year and a half. But then once it starts paying off, it's tremendous. And so for me, new construction is one of the main, main categories there. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. And in, in my mind, when looking at subdivides and new construction, uh, I think it just depends on the scale of the project for me, where exactly what you're saying with some of these projects where it's going to take a minimum of three to six to nine to 12 months to do all the paperwork, essentially, mm. and maybe do some of the dirt work or uh, go vertical in the construction that you're going to uh, not realize the gains for. So I, I think, Dan, you, you did a better job talking about it than I did there, where it's if you can effectively balance that. So where if you are looking at your projected income for the next, say, 60 days, 180 days, one year, two years, three years. And if you have projects that are hitting those criteria where the project is coming to completion within that time period, that's the great balance of a medium and short-term goals within your business. Because something that a lot of people go through, and personally, I'm, Dan and I both go through it as well, of the frustration of if you, say you're in the land flipping space like us, if you have properties that aren't selling, that it's extraordinarily stressful, which is why you need to be focusing more and more on the short term. Every single week, every single month, money is coming in. But I think if you can project out of, okay, I'm going to realize a gain in two years from this project, and that's going to be fantastic. I think uh, it's a really good way to start balancing your balance sheet uh, and your P&L whenever you can project out that far. Yeah. And, and just as a corollary to everything Mason's saying too, as you become in a more financially strong position, you can think in much longer time horizons where you're not even thinking about, oh, what's going to close next month? That's too short to even think, you know, who, who cares? It's, oh, what's going to close next quarter? What's going to close next year? Uh, and, and that is really what we're striving for because you can make such better decisions when you think that way and you're not so worried about the short term. But all that to say, if you are in that position where you do have to think about the short term, the key is setting aside time and, and being intentional about planting these longer term seeds along with the short term stuff. Even though you're not going to benefit from it for a while, you need money now for you, your family. Great. Don't prioritize these things, but try and fit them in so that six months from now, two years from now, you have some relief and you're not stuck on that hamster wheel. That's the point we're really trying to drive home, guys, is if you don't plant the medium and long-term seeds, you're just stuck forever running endlessly uh, for the next 60, 90, 120 days. So, um, Absolutely. Well, and it, it, I think it goes into effective allocation of your personal expenses. So if, if you're married, <laughs> if you have kids, you, you can't allow yourself to get into a position. I mean, even if you're single, you can't allow yourself to get into a position of, if this property doesn't sell, I'm not going to be able to make my mortgage payment next month. Where if you can appropriately allocate 12 months of savings, then it's almost like for me, within my head, I'm in this infinite return period where everything, and, and I think that's one of the challenges with uh, 
that I went through going from corporate America managing a $100 million profit and loss statement to managing a much smaller seven-figure profit and loss statement, I think uh, it's your money a lot of the time. And so you're going to get emotional about it and you're going to get fed up and you're going to get really stressed whenever you feel like you're not making any money. But whenever you can say, okay, personally, I'm taken care of. So assuming that any lenders that you have or any investors that you have are also going to be taken care of, everything on top of that is just pure profit. And I think you're going to be able to make a lot more effective decision making in the medium and long term because it's Basil's hierarchy. If your physiological and basic needs are not met, how are you expected to focus on doing these larger scale subdivisions and new constructions and start looking towards acquiring uh, longer term assets? Yep. So that's a good transition to category number three here, which is, you know, the five plus year stuff, the stuff I was referring to uh, at the beginning of the episode that's benefiting me now than I did when I first moved to Colorado. So I guess I'll just start I, the stuff that I'm doing in that category. Of course, I'm buying more rental properties and uh, they do benefit me in the short term with appreciation, but that's more for the long term. Uh, number two, this podcast is a great example. When Mason and I started this you know, we said, let's not even look at the numbers for the first year because it's going to take a long time to see a benefit from this. And so all the posting on social media, all of that is a much, much longer term play where you're not really going to see anything from it for a long, long time. Uh, so those are a couple of the big long term things for me, just building the, the, the personal brand and then buying more and more rental properties. Uh, Mason, what about you? Yeah, uh, so agreed, copy and paste because we have <laughs> we're we're involved yeah. in so many of the similar things uh, with the podcast and uh, the networks that we're creating and the people that we're having conversations with. And I think um, I think that's something that that I can kind of focus on beyond. I've got I've got this uh, property which I, I've told the story several times, but it'll end up being I think twelve to fourteen doors. It's still getting renovated a year later. Uh, it's very challenging to get work done, but I know that the land underneath it, uh, I don't care about the building. The building will get torn down in the next 10 to 15 years. The land underneath it will be worth millions of dollars in the future. And so far we've put, uh, it was a $450,000 acquisition. We've put uh, about 90,000 into the renovations. We've probably got at least another couple hundred thousand to go before it's fully completed uh, both, both stories. But I know that in 30 years, this project will be my story that I tell at parties, but it's shaped my criteria for longer term stuff because this project keeps me up at night because there's so little I can do about it uh, beyond calling contractors and getting people involved and maybe myself one day getting on YouTube and going and learning how to swing a hammer and do it myself, which I'm forcing myself to not do. It takes time away from my short and medium term goals. So I think that's something to, important to look at with these longer term projects where my criteria has entirely shifted of unless I have a great, great team in place, uh, which I've created myself, any future rentals I'm buying are going to be new or very turnkey products. Uh, so I don't have to worry about it. But before I, I jump into kind of the network component, uh, Dan, you want to follow up to that with some of the rental properties you're specifically looking for focusing on that 10 plus year horizon? Yeah, there's several things I want to say there because... I wish, we, I wish we had said this a little bit more succinctly, but the point is that planting these long-term seeds, then five, six, seven, ten 10 years from now, 
will fulfill the short term for you passively or mostly passively. All right, that that building when that's actually up and cash flowing like it will be, that thing's going to cover most of your wife's income, and she's not going to have to work just from that or, or close to just from that one building. And that's the point: is is it's benefiting you exponentially and recurringly down the road. So, no, I'm glad you told that story. But yeah, man, I mean, I remember 1512 Shasta when I was rehabbing that one. You guys have heard me talk about it where my contractor got arrested. All kinds of things went wrong. One of my older friends, I was chatting with him and he laughed and he goes, yeah, but a few years from now, this is just going to be a funny story. And that thing's going to benefit you from benefit you tremendous. And it is. It makes money every month. It's on a 3% seller finance note for 15 years. So every month, the tenant's paying like $1,100 of principal down, cash flows. It's got like a hundred, no, like 150 grand equity in it. I mean, it's a great property. And and at the time though, I wanted nothing to do with it. I just wanted to get rid of it. And now, you know, several years, but later I'm benefiting tremendously. So just another example of it. But Mason, to your question about what I'm doing now, yes, I'm just bought a nice rental in Pueblo West, Colorado, that newer Benefits me a little bit right now, helps me on taxes this year, but it's just a, a nice turnkey building, really two houses side by side. It's a duplex technically. Working on buying some fourplexes down there that fit the same sort of criteria uh, that, again, won't be that beneficial right now, but over the course of years will be tremendously beneficial because they're in a market that is uh, very supply restricted. Uh, so all that to say, guys, it's it's what's the Hermosi quote? Mason, we probably should have started the episode with it, but Alex Hermosi says something along the, the lines of the longer that you can work at something where you don't benefit from it at all right now, the more you'll benefit from that exponentially down the road. And that's, that's really the point, guys. Absolutely. And I think take that quote in the context that we're talking about. If you are spending thousands of dollars a month on something that is not yielding any results for months and months and months. Uh, it's just, it's a bad idea. It's a bad plan. It's bad execution. Don't keep doing that. But if you're starting to see results from what it is, whether it's the land flipping business or development or new construction, and recognize that it's going to take longer than whatever your expectation is uh, or whatever your assumption going into it was, that right there is where you focus. Because one of the greatest failures of C CEOs of Fortune 500 uh, companies, it's the idea of the sunk cost fallacy. And if you are, don't let your emotions get in the way of your decision making, because if you keep saying, no, it's a great idea, it's a great business, and it just does not work, and you keep spending more and more money, you're going to end up losing in the long term. So I think that quote is something that take it in the context that we're saying of you just have to keep focusing on doing things that you know actually work that have been proven over and over before you're going into a speculative world. But I think kind of where I want to talk about a little bit more with the long-term goal is uh, it's around the people you're hanging out with today. Of Whenever you are looking at, you hear it all the time of your network is your net worth and you're a byproduct of the five people you're hanging around with. Who are those people? Look at your spouse, look at your friends, and are they the kind of people that you want to be hanging out with in five or 10 years? Are they bringing you up and helping you in your business? Are they helping you in your personal life or 
whatever whatever side of life that it is that those friends contribute to in some way, you need to make sure that it's a positive relationship because I can't tell you how many people I see get the life sucked out of them by the relationships that they are in with their toxic friends from college or high school or uh, just unhealthy relationships in general. I think you need to be very, very intentional around the network that you are curating because that right there is it's going to benefit you so much in the yeah. long run. And this is whether or not you're in corporate America or you're in the entrepreneur world like us, where we've got friends right now that I see the potential of them in 5, 10, 20 years of being in a relationship with them. And I'm not saying seek out transactional relationships of people that can just help you, but I think focusing on relationships now uh, will just very drastically benefit you in the long run. Yeah. And, and this goes back to me talking about going to that real estate meetup when I first moved to Colorado. I just, the, the, the friends that I made, and to Mason's point, it needs to be legitimate, like that they're actually my friends, but it's, it's kind of cool to see where some, some of these people are compared to where I met them. And it, from a business perspective, is really beneficial to know people at the high up in different uh, realms within the, the real estate industry. So I, I think you made the point there though. So I won't, I won't press on that. Yeah. And I, I think there, there's a lot of ways to seek out these friendships and relationships where if you look in your community, if you have similar interests with people, most likely you're, you're going to start encountering people where I've got a lot of friends where married friends, where the guy and I are very similar and their spouse is so similar to my wife, where you're a certain type of person. And I, I think, uh, yeah, you're unique. There's one in 8 billion of you or whatever, but you're a certain type of person and you're seeking out certain type of relationships and certain business activities. And being able to make friends with those people is a ton of fun. And I think there's a delicate balance between eventually doing business with your friends. Uh, but I can tell you, it's a ton of fun. Dan and I have a ton of fun doing business together. We're creating some yep. really big, great companies that are going to benefit us in the short, medium, and long term, where what we're doing with Ground Up Partners, uh, a company that we just started this year where we're partnering with land flippers and we're providing the capital necessary. There's so many parts of that business that, okay, we'll get paid next month, next year. But the knowledge that we're gaining, raising capital and doing these debt deals and equity deals is going to absolutely benefit us so, so far in the future. Yeah, Mason, I don't know how both of us forgot to bring this up till now, because that is the biggest example of the long-term seeds we're planting. So Mason and I were talking about this yesterday. We have a bunch of deals in the pipeline. We said, hey, let's not focus on taking the profit from these deals next year. Let's focus on building the infrastructure for a much bigger business that, I, I mean, this is the first thing I've ever started. And I think you can probably agree where I say, okay, I see the eight or nine figure picture down the road. And so we're not going to get a whole lot out of this for now. We're going to get a whole lot out of this in three, five, 10 years uh, because it's the seeds of something much larger. So I'm glad you brought that up. Well, and it's, uh, it, and it, it, it's a fun business because as we started, we created this company right at the beginning of Q4 of 2024. And we just got started. We barely advertised it beyond a handful of posts on social media maybe talking a little bit about it on this podcast and other podcasts, but when we, which we're very focused on walking before we're running with this partnership company that we've created. But at the beginning we were like, okay, we should only try and 
get a few hundred thousand in the bank to be able to deploy in these deals. And very rapidly, we started seeing, oh, we could deploy a million. And we're starting to get deals sent to us of we could deploy a few million because within the capital raising space, it's really easy to raise under a hundred thousand, under a quarter million. It's easier if you have a good track record and you have a good business plan and a good business model and a good structure to raise $30 million. It's that in-between space that's really, really hard to raise that appropriate amount of money in a way that's safe for both lenders, investors, and the operators. And what exactly what Dan said of, all right, let's walk. Walk before we run and do these deals and not take any of that money for ourselves and just use that of spending potentially tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars of structuring this company in a way of, okay, now whenever we have people saying, Mason, Dan, I have $50 million and I want to invest it with you guys. Uh, we have the systems in place to set that up. And I think that what we're doing right now, it's going to very, very, very so much so benefit us in the long run, which both of our goals is to create the family office, create the private equity uh, firm that we can just play Monopoly with our friends. So, yep. So that, no, that, I think that's a good place to wrap up. The simple point is I'm thinking of some of the guys that I've, I've coached and who've gotten their business started and who are making a lot of money, but I know they're thinking, shoot, okay, I got to go do this again. I got to send more mailers. I got to get more deals. And they're printing cash, but they haven't done the medium or long-term stuff yet. So I hope I hope they're listening. I hope some of the people you've worked with are listening, Mason. So they'll take this and make sure that amongst the short-term, they're setting you know three, five, and 10-year future selves up for success so they won't have to endlessly just stay on the hamster wheel. Absolutely. Dan, I think this was fun. I think, uh, as, as expected, it was a little more disorganized. So I hope you guys have made it all the way yeah. to the end of the episode because uh, it, it really is valuable being able to figure out how to balance your short-term needs and short-term goals with your long-term needs and long-term goals and uh, do it in a safe way. Protect yourself, protect your investors, protect your lenders. But uh, if you're interested in learning how we're doing it, just reach out to us. Uh, we love having conversations like this. So you guys have our contact information. Reach out to us if you want to chat about any of this. But this is Mason McDonald and Dan Haverkost with The Big Picture Blueprint signing off. And that's it for today's episode of The Big Picture Blueprint. If you found it helpful, please share it with your friends or anyone you think that it could benefit. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. And we'll see you in the next episode.